Well, you you live like the first domino, dude. So like once you once you bounce, then I was like, all right, let's got to plan the exit. And so went downhill. <laughs> waited. Yeah, no, no, dude, it went. So I I don't know. I, we should probably get this on the podcast, dude, because I don't I, I don't think okay. you know of the story. I don't know anything. That's why I was so excited to catch up. Oh my god. Oh my god. There's so much, dude. Oh, you don't even know. I don't know anything. Okay, let me just freaking start this thing. So. Okay. Hello, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the More Than The Numbers podcast. This is a show where we'll dive into the stories of people overcoming financial insecurity, showing the different paths that people take to become wealthy, and overall, just how to live a more purposeful life. So if you enjoyed listening to the show, please show some support. Give us a five-star review and leave a comment of your favorite part of the pod. Also, please share it to anyone that you know that feels stuck and that needs some uplifting or need some help to get their finances in order. We're really just trying to help as many people as we can with these stories. Uh, God bless all of you. And yeah, just enjoy the show. So today on the More Than The Numbers podcast, I have my old coworker and manager. She served as an inspiration to me in my mortgage career, and she's amazingly gifted in the art of sales and business. But is an even better person. Morgan Thomas, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you here. Thanks, Kenny. Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. That was the sweetest <laughs> intro ever. <laughs> That's why I needed those extra two minutes, dude. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta. I had little bullet points and I'm like, I need to like make this thing like formal, you know? I, I, I gotta oh. do it big. I don't wanna just like, you know, do your own. I'm impressed. That was really nice. Oh, glad, <laughs> I'm dude. honored to be here, by the way. I'm so excited you're starting this. Like, this is awesome. I know it's scary, but it's fun. You know, we get to reconnect with old people and learn about what, what's going on. And I think you get a better perspective of like who people are as, you know, because you know, we never talk about just like life in general. So I think. Yeah. It's... And we haven't talked for like, what, almost two years now? Yes. Okay. Let's just get, let's just like catch up so okay you go first right. oh man should we just like start off with the story of you bouncing or yeah I don't even know. <laughs> we can start all right. there if you want all right let's start let's start from all right let's start from where you first felt that you were gonna leave oh man but then we should probably talk about let's just talk about how we first met and we'll go from there okay Okay, Let's yeah, do yeah. That. Let's okay. Do that. I would honestly I was thinking about it because I feel like I've known you for so long. I was I was working there first, right? And then you yes. came after me, I think. I'll give you here, so I'll give you my thing. So I was okay. a little just to give everyone perspective, this is my uh first year in the mortgage career. Worked at a direct lender. I'm not gonna name the name here, but it uh was a smaller shop call center where we transitioned from being a customer service rep to a loan officer, where we do purchases and refinances, really good training program and experience overall there. Uh, met Morgan there when I was completing my uh, customer service training. I just saw her in the, I think it was in the, in the kitchen. I first ever saw you. And I just asked this like regular conversation. And then I think you introduced the idea that you were a loan officer and then I just started trying to learn about what it was at the time. So you can kind of 
give some perspective of what the training program was for you and then going into becoming a loan officer. Yeah. Um, so like you said, we met at that small lender. Well, to give you some background, I never wanted to be a loan officer. I didn't even know what a refinance was, to be honest with you. <laughs> like I had no idea. Um, and I was working at SpaceX before then. So like crazy big technology company. And I was in finance and I was like hating working there. It was like, there was no room for improvement. I was kind of pigeonholed into this one position. And so I went on Indeed one day and just like one clicked applied to every job because I knew someone that was a loan officer that was making six figures. So I just found, I filtered for a loan officer, one click applied to all of them. Didn't even know what a refinance was. Don't even know what a loan officer is. And then that company called me and they're like, Hey, yeah, you don't qualify like to be a loan officer, but we'll get you started in our training program. Like the one you did. So I was like, all right, like, let's do it. It can't be worse than what I'm doing now. So took a huge pay cut and was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I basically begged them for the job. Like they, did, they, the one girl that interviewed me quit and then no one called me back. So the head of HR, I'm calling him nonstop. I'm like, Hey, get me the job. Like I'm willing to do this. So then I started the training program that you're talking about. And I was like, what did I get myself into cold calling? Like it felt like we were cold calling people all day long, trying to get them over to a licensed loan officer and they don't even know our company name. They're like, who is this random girl calling me trying to make, to get me to talk to someone that's licensed when I didn't even ask for a refinance, like hung up, yelled on, you remember that, right? Like it was <laughs> the trenches. It was not fun. So I like, did, I, I did the, I did one podcast with Jersey and it was just so fun reflecting on it. Cause like when you're going through it, it's like, it's like. I don't know, like a boot camp jail slap slash thing, right? Like you just, I don't know. I feel like I'm like closed off to the world at the time. Like, that's like, a great way to put it. Like, I just remember like tunnel vision, like, cause those first <laughs> three months you are all day, you're getting yelled at and you're just trying to hit the numbers. Right. And you're just calling, calling people. You're on the phone nonstop. And then you go home and then you study to try and like comprehend refinancing purchases and like from me, I never owned a house. I didn't know what any of that was. So you're literally like in the trenches for three months. So that taught me how to handle rejection, like without crying, <laughs> just straight <laughs> cussed out all day. Like it was, it was going to be pretty bad. And no, then I you go home that, and study. I didn't know that you didn't, well, you knew, so you knew that you wanted to go into loan officer, right? A little bit. A little bit, yeah. I guess when my friend was making six figures and I was like... Or at the time, figures. it was just like, that's just one of the things you could go into, right? Because... Yeah, it was basically my mindset working at SpaceX was like, this company is so cool and I worked here for three years, but I'm burnt out. I don't see a way to get promoted where I'm at. It was kind of like pigeonholed into this one position. And then um, I was so over it that I was willing to do anything that I thought could make me some money. And that person I knew was making six figures and I knew that's what she was doing. So I was like, okay, I'll try it. Like, wow. Wouldn't you think that like from the outside looking in, like for me, I'd be like, oh my God, like SpaceX, like, I feel like it's small enough where you can grow. I guess well, you just have this perception of it, but that you can grow and it's like this like innovative thing. Like what was your experience like there and why? Yeah. Did, did If you really pursued it, do you think you could have ended up you know, where you wanted to go, you know, had you stayed in it? 
I think if I really wanted to, I probably eventually could have been in like a financial analyst role, but I saw firsthand what that was like. And I did not want it like that did not sound fun to me. And it's such a high pressure environment. There's really no job security there because if it felt like if you mess up, you're out, you know what I mean? It was like very cutthroat and it was such a cool experience learning everything from like a startup from the inside out, but there's not great like systems put in place. So a lot of times you're kind of scrambling. Everything is a race, you know, like Elon wants what he wants, like when he wants it. Do you really and feel that? Do you really feel like tough. that? Like he's very direct like that. Like you'll see emails from him of just like, hey, like we need yeah. to get this done. Yeah, I mean, more company-wide emails because I was never at a position where I was dealing with him directly. Like that's like executive level. But I sat in on executive meetings and like, he took notes and I started as an intern there. So I interned through school, through college, and I was working like full time while I was entering and interning and going to college. And then finally I was like, I don't even want to like finish my degree. Cause I see so much into this business world. Like I'm pretty much doing what people do, but I'm also going to school on the side. And they're like, we're not going to hire you full time if you don't have a degree. So I'm like, okay, I'll finish my degree. Um, and then I got hired full time. And then that's when I kind of, as a full time position, they needed people in accounts payable is what it was. And mm, okay. because the startup and there wasn't like systems set in place, it was just a lot of pressure and a lot of scrambling and a lot of burnout and turnover. And I was like, I don't see this for myself. And you're capped your hourly, right? So there's no commission. And I was just oh, like, dude. how much were you making? If you don't mind me asking. That. Well, I was making, I think, $23 per hour at accounts payable. Okay. <laughs> As an so... intern, I think I was at like $18 an hour. Mm, okay. And what was your goal at the time? Like, what was a good income for you? Like, what did you want to hit at the time? Like, Honestly, I didn't even have a goal, Kenny. Like, I didn't grow up with a ton of money. Like, I know we've talked about this before. I didn't grow up with a ton of money. And I never really, like, saw myself having a ton of money till I started making it when we were in mortgages. You yeah. know what I mean? We'll, and we'll talk about that a lot. We'll, we'll go into that. But, yeah, give me that kind of framework because I'm always interested in that. So what was your kind of upbringing or, like, relationship to money or, like, where – like for for example, for me, right? Like my dad was a teacher making like 60s, 70s, and he's supporting a family of five when I almost stay home. So I was like, oh, okay, I just need to make 60 to 70 or maybe a little bit more and I'll be living pretty good. So I knew yeah. that I wanted to go into a career that at least paid that. That's why I went into PT because it was like 70, 80. So mm -hmm. that kind of framed me from the beginning. Like, did you see like, were you, when you chose a career or major or position, was income a factor or what, what things did you look for when you were getting into your career? So when I was, when I went into SpaceX, so I'll back up before, um, I, my parents had okay money, but I grew up in some place that I would compare it to Orange County. Like you have a lot of money, right? Like people in Orange County do. So it wasn't that I was like, we were poor or anything, but it definitely felt that way at times because everyone else had so much more money. Over um, in OC or up there? No, up up here okay. where I grew up, like near Sacramento, like this little Got suburb it. that is similar to OC, like mm. the money, the culture. Oh yeah. And I so I want to talk about that. It's yeah, but yeah, go ahead. So even if you're not poor and like my dad made decent money, he made more than sixty thousand a year, you know. And at times he made more because he had, was an appraiser; he had his own business. Oh okay. 
Yeah. But it didn't feel like it at times because like everyone else seemed like they had these like expendable incomes. And I'm over here at a young age. Like I knew that I didn't have that much money to spend for myself. Like, so at 17, I became a hostess at a diner and then worked my way up as a waitress. And so I was working like four or five days a week in high school, like paying for all my own stuff. Like you'd always walk away with cash in that to answer your question, like kind of clicked. It was like, I don't know necessarily how much money I need, but I know that my own money equals freedom. And I love nothing more than that feeling. So I'm just going to work and do as much as I can and get as many skills as I can and kind of like see where it takes me. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you, but you were aware of money from back then from working because some people, you know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of people out there that don't really even pay it as we can, as we know from our loan officer job, like people just don't even look at their bank accounts or know what their incomes are or nothing. Yeah. And so, well, that is wild because I am so opposite of that, where I would budget out every dollar. I would save a certain amount, like from when the time I was 17, like I'm going to buy a car and I'm going to have it by this month. You know what I mean? Oh, I was wow. very opposite and it was like hyper independent, like my parents. And at that time they were going through a divorce too. So it was really easy for me to just be like, I don't have to ask you guys anything. If I'm making my own money, like there's no control over me. So I'm going to do my own thing and make sure I take care of myself. So very like hyper aware of money from a young age and it, it leads to independence. And that's like all I wanted. Oh, okay. When, when did you first, so was that when you started working as a server is when you started thinking about yeah. money and independence? Yes. Yeah. Did you, did you ever start looking into like the, the fire movement or anything like that? Do you ever heard of that? No, it's not like financial independent. It's a big like subreddit on Reddit or just this big community of people who are financially independent retire early that's what it stands for fire oh no so i've never heard of that acronym yeah so it's a big thing of like if you find it on youtube or like people who especially in tech they go into it like trying to make a bunch of money so they, they could just live off of whatever 70 80 or 100k for you know because they have so much in their investments yeah I don't know, something you could look into but it I, that i learned that from a, a while ago of, the, of that concept of like because that that's what gets you the freedom right yeah but okay so fast forward a little bit so where, where did you go to school and what did you get your major in? so i went to a junior college first while i was still serving so because that's obviously way cheaper to do the two years there and then i transferred to long beach and got a degree in business finance because I never wanted to be poor. <laughs> I wanted to know how to manage my money or at least get the degree so I could get a good job mm. and, and have money. So that when I joined um, Cal State Long Beach, I got into a sorority, which is surprising because it just I don't identify with it really, but <laughs> I got into a sorority. <laughs> I became the director of finance because obviously money obsessed a little bit and then that's how I networked and got the job at SpaceX so wow I didn't know that I knew I knew that you did sorority because I knew that you always talked about your experience living with all the girls and like it was that wasn't even a sorority house that was my normal house Penny (laughs) oh wow and yeah so yeah you're not you wouldn't identify with like the pure sorority no. girl or whatever no right? on no it was like every time I tell someone they're like really you were in a sorority but it got me SpaceX which got me really like ahead in my career so I don't regret it but it's definitely wasn't like the sorority till I die type of thing so and and going into when we were working like I always 
I viewed you as special because like you're the only woman that's like killing it or just like you in general were just in that position. There just wasn't many women in our job at all. And if they were, I think how many loan officers were there? Like true loan officers, I think maybe on our team we had three. Maybe, including me, right? right like- including you, but out of like, I don't know, because people were coming and going, like there just wasn't many, I, I feel. No, right? I think when I started, a little bit before you, when I got on the sales floor after training, I remember there were two girls and within a month they were gone, I think, of me starting. So, so it was just me. What I was trying to get at was like, when you were choosing the career of, or choosing the major of business finance, was that ever a factor of like, ah, uh, this is maybe more of like a more male dominated type field? Like, what was your perspective on that? I never thought about it, to be honest with you. I was just like tunnel vision of I'm going to make money and this is the piece of paper I need to make it. Like if you want to make money, why not get a degree in finance? You know what I mean? And there were things that came up, like being one of the only girls in some of like the harder business classes was obvious. And there was sometimes like harder to get taken seriously in those classes, but it never was like this. It was just more so like, okay, this is how it is, but that's not going to stop me at all. Like I need this piece of paper and I'll do whatever I need to do to get this piece of paper. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Cause for me, I had that thinking going into the sales thing of like being Hispanic and like mm-hmm. not coming from money. I always felt this, like, I'm not supposed to be here kind of thing. Yeah. So, and that was like a, just, Oh, or anything that has to do with money. I just feel like it's always like an uphill battle with that. So I want to see, but that's good. So you just, you're kind of like naive to it, right? Or just like, just whatever. Like I just, I think, yeah. And I think it, it helped because I didn't grow up just getting everything that I wanted. You know what I mean? But, and then I was working, just going back to high school, I was working full time when people were going to like football games all the time. So I was used to doing things that not everyone was doing. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, just being one of the only girls, that's just another thing I'm going to do. But I will say at where we used to work, it was a different story a little bit because it's way more intimidating going into a sales floor where it's all men. The main managers are men that have been there for years and you're just the only girl there. Everyone's looking at you like, like fresh meat almost, you know what I mean? Like, in, I, it's like, where's my place going to be? Like, are they going to accept me? I need help. I need resources. Like I need a coach who's going to be that for me. And then just like trying to find your place. It was a lot of pressure and it was really hard at times. Like that was the hardest. That was the most aware I've been of being a female in, in the industry. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Cause I was thinking like, if I'm going through it and I'm like, I'm a guy in it. Like, I can't imagine like what you were feeling like during all of that time. So yeah. I just think it's like more, you should be more commended for that too. Like staying that long and like yeah. doing it for the way you did. Um, but yeah, it's like it, uh, that job, it, it, you find, you hear of these stories, right. Of like the Wolf of Wall Streets of these, like, <laughs> like white men leader business people like i don't know i just never thought that it existed until i'm like oh man anything in the oc is like kind of like this like 
you didn't right. think it existed and then we got that job and we were like oh all this stuff does happen like to a certain degree i mean there's not like strippers everywhere but I to know. a certain degree like all this stuff is happening and i can see how it is happening because that's just been like the culture for so long you know what i mean yeah and and i want to talk about okay so when we, we when we first got into that like i'll give you my kind of story because i don't think i ever really told you how i got in so I, mm-hmm. I just applied for because I always wanted to buy a house. That was my thing. But I didn't get into um, the physical therapy assistant school that I applied for. So that's when I just went to Indeed. Same thing. Started typing in bachelor degree jobs anywhere. So, yeah, of course, they were the first ones who hit me back. Uh, some British guy hit me back, you know. Huh? <laughs> Can we say his name? Yeah, I, know, I can say it. Shout out. Oh, I love him. I did. I did. Yeah, I know one of the one of the few good people. Um, yeah, interviewed and, and I love that. Like during the interview, he didn't tell me it was gonna be sales though. That's the only thing. But he's like, "Look, man, I really like your personality. Like, just you, you're gonna take this test. Just answer the questions like you were one of the people on Wolf of Wall Street, and then you'll you'll get in." He you know? told you that. He told me to answer it. So like, just like more. Cause it's sales. So they want like a more aggressive personality, you know? So just answer that. Cause they do a personality test. Yeah. I don't know if you did that. I don't know what that I, was. I did not do that. <laughs> and Tom or he interviewed me. He talked the whole time. Like he did not ask me one question. And I was like, it's, this seems like too easy. Like, <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. But yeah. Yeah. Going in it. Like how was that experience of, of, doing like outbound calls and like feeling uncomfortable. Like how, how many times in the first couple of weeks did you want to quit? I wanted to quit every day. <laughs> and then I kind of got comfortable being on the phones maybe two months in. And then I passed the test and then we went to training with the CEO and I wanted to quit again every day. And then we got released on the phones to be a loan officer and I wanted to quit every day. Like that job <laughs> taught me such perseverance to be uncomfortable. Like it's okay to be uncomfortable. And I grew so much every single time I wanted to quit. And I stayed because I was like, no, think of the money, (laughs) think of the skills you're going to get. And I I think it's such a good lesson. Like you have to be uncomfortable or you're just never going to grow. I would have never thought I would be in sales. I would have never thought I would have had a job where people are cussing me out and I'm just getting on the phone the next day. Like, Hey, it's Morgan. You know what I mean? Like it teaches you rejection and perseverance and like one call is one call and then it's over and you get right back on the next call. Like I really wanted to quit all the time. Like truly. (laughs) And I'm so glad I didn't like, it was so worth it to be in that space of being uncomfortable. Like I remember I would try and get my shifts done. I would start at 6am because no one was in the office to listen to me on the phone. Cause I was just uncomfortable being on the phone. I didn't know how to handle objections or rejection really. So I would start at 6am and then I would get all my calls, like, you know, kind of like the awkward first calls out of the way, the first two hours. And then people would start coming in around eight and I'd be warmed up and I'd be comfortable. And I just did that for a couple months and it gets easier and easier the more you do it, like with anything. But I, for a long time, I was like, what did I do? Like, did I just make the biggest mistake? Because at SpaceX, yeah, it wasn't a lot of money, but I took like a 25% pay cut to get cussed out on the phone every day. Like I was just wow. in my head, like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like just straight, am I lost? <laughs> Why did so, I do this? So there at the company we were working at, when did you first see that like 
the money was possible was it first when you transitioned over or did you like hear stories from other people or there was one person on our team that'd been on our team for a long time and he was like a total just like off the wall goofball you probably know who I'm talking about but he didn't have a college degree always slacking off and everyone always talk about like he made 40 grand one year like you know what I mean he he made this much he made 20 yeah. grand. Oh yeah. In one month. Yeah. 40 grand in one month. And I was like, if he can make it. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. I'm going to see a check that big here. Like I know it's possible. I've seen his check. So I'm just going to keep, keep doing this terrible. What seemed like hell for the first couple months. It's just so crazy, right? Like what a piece of paper can get you through, right? Like of that motivation. Like yeah. I talked, I, I same person i talked to him before again was gonna quit and then it's like i learned about how who he is and like it just made it more plausible like you know it, yeah. it's, you, you can do it which is changed the whole perspective of my whole life now because like now i think like you could do anything right it's just a piece of paper and it's a number like you can get these incomes and like that we never i don't know that i wasn't like aware of before did that change your perspective about earning and income totally totally did I never thought that I could really make money I knew I wanted to but I didn't know what money meant to me like I know I wanted to be able to live and afford my own house one day or my own apartment comfortably instead of living with like five roommates <laughs> living in the closet for that house pretty much like I knew I was willing to make sacrifices and it would be worth it but once I saw him make money and then I we started making money and I saw it I was like oh like you said, anything is possible. Like if I can make this much money, it brings you a confidence. Like, oh, I literally did start from the ground up and I'm making this money. Like what else can I do? Like if I made it through all that and I'm making money, then I truly feel like I can pretty much do any job. And I know if I start at the bottom, then I will work my way up to the top and it will always be worth it. Yeah, no. And and I think something that put you above everyone else too, was like your your organization and your like I was just like amazed like you you were so good with such the small little things so that's what made it like more more and more efficient so I would remember just trying to steal every little thing I could from you because I I felt that I was naturally good like on the phone but anything with organization I didn't realize the importance of that so I, I thank you for that you, you yeah, yeah. T- talk a little bit about where you got that from like being super organized and where you put that like why do you think you got that trait that's a good question I feel like I've always just been super organized I don't know if that comes from like being the oldest being a female I know sometimes females are more details and organization um I've always been like that but when I think I realized the importance of it coming to that job and realizing those little organizational tweaks that I had that no one else had could get me farther ahead I not be the best person on the you know what I mean like I might not be the most persuasive but if I have these little follow-up tweaks these little organizational skills that I consistently do that puts me years ahead of everyone else that's the best on the phone so once I figured that out I was like oh I can put this to use and it'll get me ahead yeah and that's what got you a manager role how was the experience of being a being a manager working your way up from being a little a little customer service rep and then going up to that honestly if a lot of it was timing like i i think that 
we got in at such a good time. I will always say a lot, like we had hard work, but we got in at such a great time for the market to shift, to make that money, to have that confidence. Wait, can, and, can, wait before you, yeah. Could you explain about what, what happened? Like give the timing and what? Yeah. So yeah. That's a good, that. a good call. Oh my gosh. So basically when we got in, I'm just going to say we got in at similar times. Um, I think it was 2018. We got licensed. We started probably both being a loan officer on the floor sometime in 2019. So I started in, dude, my timing was the crazy January of 2020 is when I got my license. Okay. So you were way behind me then. Yeah. Okay. I mean, either way, it's still very similar, but go ahead. Yeah. So 2019, the rates were like five, sixes, you know, it was really slow. There were not a lot of salespeople on the floor. Like it was a pretty small company. Business was slow. And at that point, I was just soaking up every rejection I got, like trying desperately to get a loan because I'm out of training, trying to prove myself. But not a lot of people are refinancing or buying when the rates, you know, aren't that great. So then 2019, the summer, the FHA started to go down a little bit. And then we specialized in a product and got super busy. And then 2020 happened with COVID and the rates, I think it was mid 2020 plummeted because there was like craziness going on in the world with COVID. And then the rates just dropped like crazy. So I don't know if you were even a loan officer at that point, but I remember in March, 2020, yes, we all had was, a meeting. I was in those where, meetings and we were, were thinking like, guys, just prep yourselves. Like we're going to be, you know, we might have to close shop. We want to try to keep yeah. as many people as we can, but you know, it, this might be the 2008, you know, cause nobody knew what would happen. Right. Everyone was comparing it to 2008. Like we, the, and I remember trying to price out loans and it would go, it would change like within a minute of percentage of what I could offer someone. So in real time, I'm on the phone, oh, I could get you this. And then I refresh the page and that's completely gone. So it was just crazy. And then I remember having those meetings where we're new, we just got licensed, you know, went through (laughs) all of that work and they're like, yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen. Like, we don't know if we can keep you. We, you know, they pretty much said, who knows what's going to happen here with all the rates. And then they leveled out really, really low. Like we're in the twos, the threes, and no one had seen those rates since I don't even, they were doing terrible Never. loans in 2008. You know what I mean? So yeah, it leveled out. And then it was like our phones ringing nonstop. Like, I don't even, I can't even remember those that year because our life was like, you wake up, you go to work, you talk to 15 people, you get almost all of them alone. And then you work on your admin stuff and you go home and you do it again. Like it was crazy. I can't even remember because it was just work, work, work. I talked to so many people every day and all of them were buying, all of them wanted to refinance. So we were making a ton of money. Crazy. I think, yeah, at that time, if I had known that, and I know that our managers were always saying like, yeah, you need to like work more and like because it's not going to always be like this I, I probably would have taken it more more serious but i feel like it's the it's only so much that we could do as humans right like i could take on like that was so so tough and i feel like during that time was the people who were quick on the computers and like we had our other friend who was really really good it was just fast Mm-hmm. They're the ones who ate like you're just, yeah, you're just raking it in. And it really is like, it really was shooting fish in a barrel. Is that what they would always say? Yeah. Like, I truly think that out of the 15 people I would talk to a day, I could get over half of them 
And that's crazy in mortgage. Crazy. Like that's a crazy percentage because things yeah. fall out. Things don't work. People are still skeptical, but the amount of loans we were funding every month. And then we saw a paycheck for that every month. It was like, right when you got burnt out, right when you're tired, right when you can't take another call, you see that paycheck and you're like, okay, I'm ready to do it all over again. Like, and that was our life for at least a year and a half, two years. Oh my gosh. And I remember too, I was like, I couldn't take it. I think, I think I had work like, cause I was again in, in, when I was new on that team that we were on, I really was trying to not only work, but trying to like be a good employee by making friends with like the managers and doing extra, which probably looking back, I don't know. It just took a lot out. Yeah. Um, but no, I almost quit and I would have like, yeah. Changed. Can you tell us the story of why I almost quit? Cause I'm still not even sure if I got the full, the full story. No, I was just truly, truly burnt out. Um, and I was like the unhealthiest I had ever been. So I gained when I started at, and I started, when I started there, I was like two, 215 pounds. I got up to 250 pounds in a span of 215 you got to 250 250 in less than one year so Mm -hmm. and i was just like i think from that that like you're when you're not healthy like you're just in a bad space to begin with and then uh also like my my grandpa was like going through a lot of like medical stuff he had a botched surgery so you just start i would just start thinking about life and i'm like dude this is not worth it like i i like seeing that he could almost like he's almost could be gone and like I'm just like what when I'm like doing this with like I don't care how much money it is and that's a, one perspective that I learned from it of like sometimes it's not just money that's involved right there's other parts of your life that need to be met like your health and your mental yeah. health but yeah so I was I was mustering up the I remember just watching YouTube videos on like how to quit like because I I I I always wanted to quit every single day, right? We were the same thing as you, right? But you never do it. But I'm like, no, I talked to my family and I'm like, they're like, yeah, like you, you don't look good. Like, and I'm like, yeah, but I'd be like giving up this money. But I had some money saved up, obviously, because we were doing so well. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I could do it. Like, uh, it, I'll take a month off and just try to find some, like not even thinking about the future, which is I so dumb of me. But that's where it's hard when you're in that, like, you're not yes. happy and you're miserable and it leaks into every other aspect of your life. You're like, I just have to do something drastic because I'm so overwhelmed that I don't know like if I'm ever right. going to get out of it. But realistically, like two days off could have like solved the, the issue, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I went, I remember going into, I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to do it. Just go rip the bandit off. And I went to go talk to him. And this was like at the peak too, which worked. I don't know what I was thinking because you could I, I could have lost a You're bunch of money. but yeah. I talked to him and I remember my manager he just broke down in tears and was like telling me like you can't like trust me you, you just gotta play this through like we'll do whatever it takes like to to help you you know feel right but you know you're you're gonna like you're really good at that he's you're really good at this and you're gonna be you know you're gonna be regretting this decision when you look back and I'm like I'm like, let me think about it. And so I, you know, I think he gave me a couple of days off. And then and then I was still I was still like, ah, you know, I don't know where this guy's coming from. Like he's just trying to make money off me. So I don't care. Yeah. But when you hit me up, <laughs> that changed everything. I'm like, 
because I know you you were thinking about quitting too, and you're just like, because you're on we're on the same team, mm-hmm. and that meant everything because it just put me into perspective of like, I could do this, you know, just like I just need to make some small adjustments, which I did, and then overall just took me to another level of doing even better. So that's what happened with me. But talk about your time of quitting. Not not enough enough spotlight on me. Okay, this is this is your no. you're the guest here. Well. I well, I want to go back to your point. Uh, it's just your health, and if I were to go back and do it, because I was in the same boat as you a lot of the time. Looking back on it after getting out of that environment, it was such a crazy time that we had to capitalize on. But I had no boundaries with work, and that's something that I would not do again. Like work was my life, and I got all of my validation from doing well at work. It was a cycle that's really hard to jump off of. And as a result, like my relationship suffered. So I, I think that's a big lesson to what Mm -hmm. you said. Like, I think you need to be really conscious, especially getting into a fast paced job or when the time of the market comes, like you need to have routines in place to protect yourself, protect your relationship. When I got out of that job, it was really hard for me because all of my worth was on work. And that was like, it was like that for three years. I was excelling really quickly for three years but all my whole life was work so my relationship suffered no hobbies outside of work like that's all I was doing like and it wasn't healthy mentally or physically for me either so I completely get your point and I think that is something that's so important to any job is having boundaries and every job I have now like I will always go in with set boundaries because you have to take care of yourself or you're it's just you're going to fizzle out so fast so that's to give yeah to give advice to everyone out there like i was make we were making 30,000 35 maybe 40 20 consistently and i didn't care just wanted to quit so that's everyone trying to chase that number it's like there's just just it's amazing don't like i i like obviously we'd love to have that those kind of months every single month right but yeah. um but there's more. Yeah. There's, there's other things that you, yeah, exactly. I think you're right. If we had been trained, imagine just someone else who stepped in like, okay, guys, make sure that you're doing your workout. You know, you got to go and you need rest. Like someone just to give us a little bit of like, don't forget about other stuff. I think we would have thrived even more. Right. Maybe. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think in that environment, and I think this is true for most mortgages or sales, at least in my experience, but that market is like it the market is so good you need to eat now so you need to eat breathe and live mortgages because this isn't going to last forever and then when the market's bad or not so good it's you need to work twice as hard to make just as much as you were so you need to eat breathe live mortgages and this is your life and it's like when the rates are good you do it. when the rates are bad when is there ever a time to just relax and pause and focus on what i even want so, so i think if there would have been an environment to say, focus on your mental health, focus on your physical health. You don't need to be here 12 hours a day. Like you're not going to be looked at as a slacker. If you leave at eight hours, then I think that would have really prolonged my career in mortgages, but it just wasn't like that. Yeah. And that's why I tried to quit a couple of times and I <laughs> just like, you <laughs> Um, and they, they convinced me to stay, which I'm so glad they did. And I don't regret it at all. Um, 
the main time I tried to quit was even before the rates took off. It was after training and the rates were bad and I was sitting on the phone, like getting nothing and just getting yelled at all day. And I remember I went and got a job at a competitor and then they took me into the room who hired us and our manager and was like, you're not quitting. You're going to be great at this. Like just stick with it. And so I wrote a contract of, okay, if I stay here, I have this offer. I have this other company that believes in me. If I stay here, these are all the things that I want. And I got most of them. Oh, you did? I didn't know you did that. That's good. I'm glad you did that. And I think, yeah, I think that's a good lesson in advocating for yourself too. I had two companies that both wanted me. One of them had already invested in me and spent the time to train in me, but they weren't letting the training wheels go. One of the things was like, I need to be on the floor hundred percent of the time. I don't want these overflow calls. I don't want to like take what people don't want. I want to be treated like a loan officer, just like everybody. I went through four months of training, like right. take the training wheels off. Let me prove myself and that's, or I'm going to leave. And then they, they let me do that. So I think you really have to advocate for yourself too. And draw boundaries, I think would be my biggest advice from working in that environment. Yeah. Oh, and, and I'll give you some perspective of after you had left, right, of what, how it went down. Like, I started learning a little bit more um, and more about the industry as a total. Like, a lot of these banks and lenders that were, were they, they didn't think about the future in mind. So it's just higher right now for, you know, for it being good, try to make as much money as you can squeeze as much juice with not thinking about having like a sustainable business. And so I started learning about the business model of the place that we were working at from talking to the other managers mm-hmm. and it made sense. So it was a place where we learned really well. Uh, I mean, we got trained very well, but really it's just to, you know, take as much as you can from the employees right there. Cause we were getting underpaid if you compare it to any other type of lender. We were getting underpaid. So like, let them last as long as they can. And then it's okay because it's a numbers game volume. There's going to be more, the new trainees are coming. The people are replaceable. That's why there's not really a place to grow in that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I started learning of that. And I'm like, oh my God, like I need to start thinking about what's the next thing. And so that's, it's so funny. I mean, there was just a bunch of drama, obviously, and stuff that we yeah, probably shouldn't get into. That's for the that's for the after hours pod. But- yeah, <laughs> that, the things that happened there, I'll just say, I look back now and I am like, what? Where were we? Like, it was crazy. Like, just the drama, the involvement, and you know, they would always say it's it's a family environment. And I liked that. I thought I liked that. And then the boundaries get crossed of just work life. Work is your life. So everything's just entangled in like your manager is kind of like your dad and your boss at the same time. But then you get in fights. Like it was just very muddy. Like I, I think you just need to keep a boundary of your work and your outside life to really have sustainable employees or just in general like just for common sense right like yeah come on, like we just make work work is work right like work should be work that was like one of the biggest lessons <laughs> I work should be work <laughs> nothing else Something so simple oh my god well okay like here here's what happened so the rates started increasing right business was getting a little slower still not that bad i had gotten another offer 
for this other place where me and my friend Justin, we both were transitioning to that new spot because we would get it's higher paying guarantee. It's a in in house leads because they're a big servicer. So, and it was a much better place um, overall. So it was a it was a really really good um, transition from moving to where we were. It's just the next step up, kind of like what you did. You learned and, and expanded more. Yeah. Um, but how funny it was was the day that that I went in to go quit for real this time. Um, I just see people with boxes everywhere. I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, and, and so I, 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 we go to lunch and there's like, they told us that we had like a taco truck. Right. So I went outside and we were all like talking, I'm trying to game plan, like how I'm going to do this. Like I'm scared again. And I just see like all of our friends, 10, 20 people, 30 people coming out with boxes. And I'm just like, Oh my God, what is happening? So it turns out that they did massive layoffs on that day that I was going to quit that I, the day that I did end up quitting, but everyone just got laid off because like I was telling you about, they hired too many people, too many processors, too many, um, CSRs. So they cut maybe like, I don't know, 30% of the, of the workforce there. And so it was easy because it was mayhem in there. People were crying. I'm just like, Hey, I'm out too, you know? I'm yeah, you, you got you got let off easy on that quitting. There's no one to to keep you there. Everyone had already gone. Right, and then it, we all like went to Golden Road after the brewery and just talking and and like, yeah, about kind of like what we we're talking about. It's just like not a sustainable thing. And but overall, I'd say I mean, good experience, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, I I think it was a great experience. I learned so much in those three years and I made so many, I wouldn't say like mistakes, but I would not handle going it now, knowing what I know and being a little bit older and more experienced, I would not have let a lot of things go that I let go. And that I think it comes with going back to your question about being a female specifically I think there's a lot of pressure as a female coming into a sales floor with all men there's a lot of pressure to just be cool and not ruffle any feathers because you don't want to be labeled like the one that's going to go to HR the one that's going to ruin all the boys fun and everything like that so there's a lot of pressure to just be like I'm going to be cool with these jokes even though a lot of them like might not sit well with me and don't get me wrong. A lot of them were really funny. Like there was a lot of fun times, but there are certain times where it's like, I'm the only girl. And if I say something and call it out, it's going to make it awkward. And then they're going to be weird about me around me. And then I'm not going to get the help that I need. Yes, so that's the key. That was the key thing. Like same here too. Like you kind of had to, we, we like suppressed our values and morals a little bit to okay. just try to like, I don't know. You don't want to be seen as like the one that's like the rebel or opposing because we know what happens. Like if you like start being an mm -hmm. issue, like you'll just get yeah. kicked out. Like we saw it happen. Like I remember one of the girls was a little bit like that and she was gone. Like the second I got on the floor, like it did not last long. So that right there sent a message of you need to fall in line and be on our team or you're not getting any help at all. And I was so determined, like, I'm going to, I just went through three months of training <laughs> and getting hung up on, I'm going to make this job work. And I'm going to make money. So I fell on the line of like, yeah, everything's fine. I'm going to be cool with everything. Not to say that I wasn't cool with a lot of things, but it makes it really hard when you're already decided you're going to be like that to then draw boundaries. 
if something bothers you because you're not taken seriously and then you're looked at as like, well, I thought you were cool with that. And it's a lot of manipulation. So I think going back, it's important to like, don't lose your morals or your values. I 100% no amount of money is worth that. And looking back on it, I'm like, I'm so glad I made money, but I would do a lot of things differently. I think and from an outside perspective too, and um, well, just from seeing you, right? Because I saw you transition from just, I saw you gaining your confidence and getting like just better at your job that I, I think that what it was was like, you finally learned that you, you were strong enough that you didn't have to put up with this anymore. Like, and so I saw that transition and I remember you like seeing in the parking lot a couple of times, like breaking down. Cause you're just like, it's, you were going through this like inner battle, right. Of like, yeah, of like, of, you, you know, you could, you run this whole thing better, which you can, but you dug yourself in such a hole of like trying to please people that like, how are you going to like, they're not used to the new Morgan. They're used to like the old, like, yeah, okay, everything's okay. That right. is the best read ever. That's exactly what I was going through. It was so much people pleasing to get to where I am. And I learned so much And that people pleasing was almost manipulation too, because I got you to help me. Like I needed help. I needed a coach. And I knew if I was cool, then I would get that help. But then like once my confidence grew and I was comfortable, you can't, it's so hard to fight back and stand up for yourself because people are like, no, that's not you. Like you're cool with this. It doesn't bother you. And that's exactly what you said. It was this huge internal battle of, I know I'm not getting treated right. And I don't, and I know I can do this job better, but is it worth like the constant, like scrutiny that I'm under under my manager someone that should be my biggest cheerleader so that's how you put it is exactly right and that ultimately led to meeting like this is not a healthy environment for me anymore I now have my morals and my values that I want to stick by and I just I think I need to get out of here but that's kind of a good thing now reflecting I mean obviously it was so tough right for both of us like well it was good and bad right money was good but a lot of emotional and pain and, and growth there but I think that a place like that really allows you to learn things very quickly like I don't know I, I would and I'm, I feel like I use that to just take that to the next thing and I, I have grown a lot and I think you it sounds like you have too with everything yeah right? yeah I the job that I have now it even though it's not making the money that we made in 2020 or 2021 like it's crazy <laughs> I'm striving for that but I understand that that was a lot of timing it's not necessarily that much money but it's solely like they're focused on work-life balance and when it comes 5 p.m no one's texting me no one's calling me I'm clocked off no one expects me to answer over the weekend like if I'm sending emails at 9 p.m or 8 p.m people are like what are you doing so I, I value that now more, my inner peace, my ability to be able to turn off work and not live for work, um, that I've taken that and that's what I want to go moving forward. I don't ever want to be so wrapped in that my worth is my work. Yeah. Well, well give me, I don't have no idea what you're doing. So what, what, what <laughs> did you end up going into now? Like what, what's the position and I took it to medical sales, so still sales, but the company I work for is like a medical technology company, and they're really focused on women's health and 
creating products and technology that help detect like illnesses, um, cervical cancer, for example. So those are the products that I'm now selling to healthcare providers and doctors and physicians. Whoa. So I feel like it's more in line with my values. Um, and the work-life balance is great. I'm selling in person to doctors, which is just crazy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I, I, talk about that. Like what, what's that been from phones to real people now? Honestly, I didn't realize, Kenny, how much of a setback it is to sell over the phone. Like, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. You have this wall of no one's, you know, if they reject you, you just hang up and you call someone else. But um, you only have your voice and your tone and like the content of what you're saying over the phone. And you have to get someone hooked real quick. When you're in front of someone, it's a lot harder for them to just straight ignore you and just walk away like they it's it's awkward right so like you have a lot of the time they kind of have to give you the time of day especially if you're approachable and nice and uh, think about it doctors are probably not dealing with super happy people all day so if I can come bring you some information make your day a little bit better bring the office lunch spend a couple minutes with you then I hope that I can make your day better in just a little bit a little part of your day that's not the worst part of your day and that's how I that's the approach I take mm, okay so is it like you're selling just to help is it like equipment and technology that helps with their like just daily use or what so for example there's there is surgical there's like um, breast and surgical like a division but I'm in the diagnostics division so the pro the actual products I'm selling are like STI tests and like um, pap tests, so like to screen for cervical cancer for women. Wow, that's pretty cool. Because now it's like, I, I think mortgages in itself, has, it's like kind of rewarding in its own way, you know, when you're paying off a bunch of debt, or you're helping someone buy a house, which is really good. But that yeah. like, is really cool, too. You're still stuck in a in a field where you're like, you're helping doing people. doing good, you're helping people, right? Yeah. And, and I think you always knew this about me, but if I didn't feel like I was helping someone with a loan, like I would get a pit and I, I wouldn't do it. I could not like a pit in my stomach. I couldn't do it. So I truly need to believe in what I'm doing. I can't be like one of those people like, oh, it's fine. You know, they'll, they'll make it back in the long run. Like I really want to feel like I'm doing good. It's really important for me to be looked at as a good person that I'm helping people in this alliance with that goal of mine. Wow. That's amazing. So do you see yourself just going all in with this career for the for the foreseeable future are you still open to like growth and other things in the future the latter I'm I think leaving every job you leave at least in my perspective it makes it easier to be open to other jobs like leaving SpaceX was the hardest thing and then in double triple quadruple my income and then I left that and I was actually at peace and happy so each each move has been a gain for sure so I don't know. I'm so new to this job. I feel like maybe in a year I'll be like comfortable with it and really good at it. But then what's next? I'm kind of not in the point where I necessarily want to be in management. Like that used to be like management and maybe become a VP. That's not what I see for myself right now, maybe in the long run. But I think every job that I take has just made me a more well-rounded employee, but person overall too. So I am so open to doing a couple different careers in my life. It doesn't even have to be sales, but I think every job that I take has just added skills to my basket. So what else can I do after this job? You know, you don't have to be tied down. I love that perspective and speak, speak on that to people who 
like think that they have to either choose their major or choose their career that's like they have to figure it out on that one move speak on that from experience of like that or just give any person advice of that of like the the perspective of that you know it's not that's not the thing that's not the only thing that they have to do no and i don't know if it makes anyone feel better but i used to dread people asking like what do you want to do what's your passion I have no idea. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Why should I figure that out at 18? Like, I don't know. I don't have the skills or experience to pick one thing and stick with it. So if you can go to college, get a degree, any degree, like you don't have to go into debt as like, I put myself through school. You can work as a waitress. It's fine. Like it's not the best job, but it'll get you through it. Pick any degree, get the piece of paper and then just start trying out jobs. I think for me, a mistake I made was I stayed at SpaceX too long because I was like so prestigious, you know, like such a great company to have this on my resume, but I was so miserable. So I wish I would have left earlier and taken literally any other job, just start trying things. And then once you get all those skills, every job you can get a skill from, and then you'll be able to market yourself and you'll start building into those higher paying jobs. You do not have to stay at one place and you don't have to go into a career where you got your degree. Like you just don't need to do that anymore. There's a study recently that came out that says if you, the people that switch jobs more consistently, I think it was like every two or three years make way more money in the long run than those people that slowly climb their way up at one company. So now it's being looked at as better to shop around, to go and get experiences at other companies. You're actually going to make yourself more money than if you stay at one company and just feel pigeonholed there. I think that's such good perspective. I think from experience too, and not when you're, you don't, you just don't know how the hiring process works, right? Cause like you're scared, like if you're not going to find another job, but like once you start getting more and more experience, like you just become naturally more marketable and you just learn the system a little bit better. Right. So I think you just get the confidence to keep transitioning. Cause like I I feel that way too, like of like, I feel like really limitless now. Like I can go wherever. Like, I don't have, I used to have that perspective of like, oh no, you need to work your way up at just one spot. But like, no, that's, that's good perspective. You don't have to. Yeah. And once you do it, once you leave the job, like once you're successful at a job, like you've got a promotion or whatever, you're good at it. You leave another job and you work your way up and you're good at it. Like that just gives you so much confidence. You're like, oh, I can do anything. Like it's, it's not, you know, a death sentence to end this job. Like I can quit this job and I can maybe start at the bottom a little bit, but I have the skills now to work my way up and market myself. Like I can do this all over again if I wanted to. Yeah. No, I love that. Dude. I can't believe it's already an hour. Like, I feel like we still haven't even like scratched. Like, the surface. I still need to talk and catch up with you more, but I want to, I want to do these last three questions. So we ask okay. everybody. All right. So what is your version of success? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm, got you there, huh? You like that. That's good. You warned me about this one. <laughs> I think my version of success is, I think I'm always helping people. Like my number one has always been helping people. Like what I'm doing every day at my job is making the world better, making the community better and making me better. So I think success is having a job where I can be helping people and making a difference. I also think it's not necessarily tied to money. I think it's tied to achievement for me. So I want to being successful means I can achieve my goals and keep going from there. 
So it's not, it used to be tied to money and a dollar sign for me. And I think I've grown to get out of that for me to feel successful. I want to be helping people and I want to be achieving my goals and continuing to set higher goals. Mm, okay. Wait, that's sorry. That just brought up another question then. What, what yeah. is like one of your like major goals that you're trying to accomplish? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like an interesting question, actually, because I feel like I'm in a bit of a transition period since I got out of mortgages and just finding like what I like and what I don't like. Um, I think one of my major goals would be I want to own a house. I don't own a house at this point. And I feel like that's a little bit tied to fiscally, but I want to eventually have a routine where I'm like running, maybe not necessarily a nonprofit, but I want to be able to do something outside of work, outside of myself, that is purely just to give back of everything that I learned. I see. You inspire me a lot because you started doing that. And I was like, oh, I need to get with it. Kenny is like out here doing it. That's inspiring. I want to get involved sooner. No, uh, I'll I'll give you, we'll talk after on like what all you need to do and how to anyone can start a nonprofit or get involved with it. And honestly, it's one of the best experiences that I've ever had of doing it, especially because yeah, like you forget that these people are struggling and like, you know, and so it's good just to build your, build your worldview. I think is really. Yeah. And I think that transition period feeling a little bit lost, how I was feeling a little bit after I got into this, this new job or before it's like, you're so focused on yourself all the time. I think the best way to get out of that funk is to focus on other people or something that you can give back. It doesn't always need to be so much about yourself. And it's hard (laughs) because everyone does it, right? Especially you're making money. You're like, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Like even positively and negatively, right? If you're thinking too much, too much about yourself in general, I think is unhealthy. So that's exactly right. So that's why I'm starting this podcast and doing the nonprofit is just to help just get out of my own self. So I think, yeah, that's, that's one thing what I'm doing. Okay. Next question. That was a long one. All right. And you kind of already answered this too, a little bit, but this might, a lot of people have trouble uh, answering this one, but what, what impact would you like to make in the world? Like, and I know you said it's not, you don't have a definite thing right now, but like, what's one thing that's kind of like maybe like itching at you or like that you would like to do? Is it like more of like the giving your experience to others or is there anything else? Yeah, I think mainly it would be if I can some in some way give back what I've learned or maybe help someone get that confidence that doesn't have it, it that's would be a win for me. And I think that's something that would make me feel great selfishly, but also like help other people see that you can do it. You don't have to go to this fancy school. You don't have to do all this stuff to make money. You can work at a diner as you put yourself through junior college and make just as much money as this person going to USC or UCLA or Stanford. I love that. If there's, yeah, any way that I could help with that and give that confidence to people, then I would love to do that. Nice. Amazing answer. It's like you had a note card ready to go. Uh, I didn't. You didn't even tell me about that question, actually. I know, right? Or to throw some, throw some, put some curveballs. Oh, okay. Man. Um. Last one. All right. What kind of advice would you give your 18-year-old self? 
Ooh, another good one, huh? Yeah, that was a good one. You're telling the ones I mean, I'm not prepared for. Um, this is actually kind of an easy one. Like you're not living to work. Like your sole purpose and your identity does not need to be defined by how well you're doing at work, what you're doing for work, how much money you have in the bank. Like I think it's so crucial to have a separate sense of self and confidence that's not tied to your external factors at work. And for me, it took so long to realize that, to be comfortable with myself outside of work. So you don't have to live to work. Like you should be working and having those boundaries and enjoying your life outside of work. Like not everything needs to revolve around work and you can still be successful at work doing that. Yeah, no, yeah, great, great answers. So any, anything else you want to just uh, send off on or like what, any last I mean, words? We covered a lot of ground here, Kenny. Dude, we got a lot of ground. I think a lot of people, yeah. Well, we, we did a lot, a lot of catching up. I think we're probably going to need a part two later on. Yeah. Where you're at, what's going on with your with your nonprofit stuff now, which I'm hoping you're. you're well, I hope it. that you can help me out with because I think <laughs> saying that's been in my that's been in my mind for a long time of like wanting to do more. But and especially seeing you like when you started, I don't even know what you were doing, like reaching out and doing these lectures on finance and everything. I was like, wow, this is I need to be doing more like Kenny's doing it. So you're inspiring. So thank uh, you for pushing me. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you, Morgan. And thank you for coming on. I think everyone's going to love this one. 